All right, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jonathan Landsman. He is a great guy, let me tell you. Love that guy. And that's a worthwhile course, so check it out. We're going to move on now to Western Europe. We're going to start with a story out of Information and Liberation. Brits' energy bills to soar by record 80% this winter. And actually, it's going to go even higher. But what happened is the regulators in the U.K. have now increased the allowable maximum fee paid by electricity consumers by 80%. So it's a 80% increase for October. It was announced by the regulator known as OFGEM, O-F-G-E-M, however you, you pronounce that. And it follows a 54% increase that happened in April. And by the way, there's going to be another major increase in January or sooner. So we're talking about right now an 80% increase just on top of the 54% increase. You know, you're getting the picture here. This is starting to become compounding uh, interest or compounding increases. The electricity prices that they're going to pay in the UK are being called a debt and death sentence. And it's due to the rise in natural gas prices, of course, which are affecting electricity prices. So annual power bills in the UK are currently regulated at a U.S. dollar equivalent of $2,330, and I believe that's per year. And in October, then, they go up to $4,189. And then by January, they're expected to go up to 6427 And then by spring, to $8,594. In, in essence, by the spring of 2023, electricity prices in the UK, even though they're regulated, will be nearly 400% higher than they were a year earlier. 400%. And, yeah, that's people are going to starve or they're going to freeze. Some... Maybe both. And Reuters interviewed one British citizen, quote, the cost of living has increased and yet you're still expected to live on the money provided for when there wasn't a crisis. I can either have my heating on or eat. And another 59-year-old woman says, without my dialysis machine, five times a week, 20 hours, I will die. Uh, Frankly, this is where a lot of people are going to end up in the UK. And the UK is not even the worst. We're going to talk about France. But even in the UK, people are going to freeze and starve and die this coming winter. In fact, that's going to be true across all of Western Europe. People are going to freeze and starve. Now, in France, you're, <laughs> and in Germany, this is just mind-boggling. So as reported by Breitbart, on Friday, both countries, France and Germany, set record highs with new costs of electricity climbing by 1,000% from last year. So you're wondering, well, what is it now? Well, in France, as Le Monde is reporting, the the cost is now about $1,000 per megawatt hour, which comes out to uh, $1, roughly $1 per kilowatt hour. Because, of course, a megawatt is 1,000 kilowatts. So per kilowatt hour. Now, right now in the United States, people are paying anywhere from maybe 12 cents to 15 cents per kilowatt hour. Right now in France, they're paying a dollar per kilowatt hour. And that was, remember my podcast a couple weeks back? I said, 
One of the predictions was that electricity in California would hit a dollar per kilowatt hour. That would be uh, catastrophic, just catastrophic. Now, but but it's here in France and in Germany, it's about 85 cents per kilowatt hour right now, and it's rapidly rising. And again, we're only in August here, folks. We're still in just the end of August. What do you think this is going to be by the time January or February rolls around? That $1 per kilowatt hour may be $2 per kilowatt hour by then. And we're being told to buy electric cars. We're being told electric cars have battery capacities like, uh, for example, some Teslas have 100 kilowatt hours as a battery capacity. And you're being told that, well, to charge a 100 kilowatt hour battery, it only takes 100 kilowatt hours. That's not true at all. There's not 100% efficiency on your chargers. In fact, kind of depending on which studies you believe, the actual battery charging efficiency is anywhere from 50% to like maybe 85 or 90%. I'm going to take an average of around 75%. So whatever power your charger is using, only 75% actually ends up usable in the vehicle to be applied to the wheels because there's battery leakage and other things like that. Like if you charge your car 100% and it just sits there in the garage, it's going to lose about 5% in the first 24 hours just sitting there, by the way. A lot of people don't know that. The batteries don't hold everything perfectly. So that means it's going to take you 133 kilowatt hours to charge an electric car that has a 100 kilowatt hour battery. You're going to need, again, 133 kilowatt hours. Well, right now in France, 133 kilowatt hours is going to cost you $133 equivalent. Yeah, you to charge your electric car is going to cost you $133. And, of course, if those rates double, which they will, you're going to be paying over $250 to charge your car if it's, you know, 100 kilowatt hours. Not all the electric cars have that much uh, in terms of a battery, but some of them do. But you get the idea. This is more expensive than gas because of the power shortage. So everybody that was told to buy an electric vehicle, now you're going to not only pay more for the vehicle and then pay more to install a charging station, now you got to pay more for the electricity. Oh, and then, by the way, when your batteries wear out, you got to change out the whole battery pack in the vehicle. You know what that costs? Anywhere from like fifteen to $30,000 on top of all the extra money you paid to charge it. Because, you know, those batteries don't last forever. They only last about like three to five years. You got to swap them out. <laughs> yeah. Man, imagine if you had to buy a new engine every three to five years for your gas car. That would be insane. But that's the way the electric cars are. I mean, it, it depends on how often you use it, but... Those lithium-ion battery packs, they only have a certain number of cycles. After those cycles are used up, man, you you got to replace them. There was an article over the weekend about some guy that had to replace batteries on a Chevy Volt. You know, the Chevy EV, $29,000 just to replace the batteries. There is an expensive overhaul. You can almost buy a new car. Well, you could buy a new car for that if it's a gas car. Oh, by the way, did you also hear that Virginia and another state now have glommed on to California's decision to ban all combustion engine new cars by the year 2035. Only electric cars will be allowed to be sold if they're new. 
So Virginia's got that now too. So those of you listening in Virginia, <laughs> the clock is ticking down now. I mean, by the year 2035, you won't be able to buy a gas car or a diesel. Everything has to be electric. But of course, the electricity will be tightly controlled and made artificially scarce and incredibly expensive. So you're just screwed. Yeah. But then again, I don't think we have the United States of America still here by 2035 anyway, so I'm not sure that actually applies. Folks, you are watching the decimation of Western Europe. This is a suicide mission for the continent. It's unbelievable. But it's not just Europe. Check this out over the weekend. Energy emergencies declared after BP refinery fire in Indiana. The U.S. Department of Transportation, this is from uh, Forbes, the U.S. Department of Transportation declared a regional emergency for Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Wisconsin. After a fire shut down, the BP oil refinery in Whiting, is that how you pronounce it? Whiting or Whitting, Indiana, the largest in the Midwest. Yeah, the largest refinery in the Midwest. Governor Whitmer, who miraculously survived the FBI kidnapping attempt, signed a statewide emergency order on Saturday saying that regulations will not hinder the delivery of gas and diesel to stations in Michigan. Okay. Uh, it's not clear when that refinery is going to get back online. So, you know, gas and diesel prices have been lower recently because, of course, Joe Biden is emptying the National Strategic Petroleum Reserve, leaving us with no reserves by Election Day in order to artificially suppress the price of gas and diesel. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing they won't do to try to win the election. Isn't it interesting how many refineries and natural gas hubs have had explosions or fires in the last, uh, say, year and a half? Isn't that interesting? Keeps happening, doesn't it? How come all these infrastructure systems keep having fires? Hmm. Could it be related to the food industry fires, the food plants? Yeah, well... Now let's go over to Poland, where people over there are starting to realize that, gosh, it's going to get cold this winter, and we have no natural gas from Russia, you know, because of the economic sanctions against Russia. So now Polish homeowners are lining up literally for days to buy coal from a coal mine there that sells coal directly to Polish citizens. Uh, you can, of course, burn coal to heat your home if you have a, uh, you know, wood, a wood burning or, or, you know, a coal burning appliance. I mean, even if it's just wood burning, you can still burn coal. So Germans and Poles are trying to buy coal right now. And they're also trying to buy wood burning stoves like crazy, but you can't find any more. So in eastern Poland, this mine called the uh, Lubelski Wigil Bogdanka coal mine, sorry. People are waiting for days and nights, sleeping in their vehicles for three days in order to buy coal. One of them said, quote, toilets were put up today. There's no running water, so there's like porta-potties there. After three nights of sleeping in his small red hatchback in a crawling queue of trucks, tractors, towing trailers, and private cars, quote, this is beyond imagination. People are sleeping in their cars. I remember the communist times, but it didn't cross my mind that we could return to something even worse. Four million people in Poland rely on coal for their heat. 
Yeah, 4 million people. Wow. So the reason these lines are so long is because a lot of these people used to get their coal from Russia, but Russian coal has been banned, of course, because of the economic sanctions. So they're now trying to buy their coal from local mines that don't have enough to go around, so they've had to ration the sales of the coal. <laughs> it's just, you can, I mean, this is a total collapse nightmare unfolding by the day. So coal had also become a lot more expensive because of the cost of labor for mining. And that's related to, well, a lot of, frankly, stimulus money, COVID stimulus money that's handed out to people makes a lot of people not want to work. So you end up having to pay more to get the people to show up and actually do the work. So then the coal costs more and there's not as much to go around. So is this not the perfect storm for freezing and starving to death in Poland and Germany and France and the UK and other European countries? It's the, it's the perfect suicide storm. It's like, Hey, let's cut off Russia. Let's have no energy, no coal, no oil, no natural gas, no fertilizer. And then let's all see what happens here in Western Europe. Well, we're starting to see what happens and it's, Ugly, and it's only August again. These people are lining up and sleeping in their cars and trucks for three days to get coal, folks. Coal. That's how, and these are the early preppers. I mean, I mean, can you imagine when the oblivious masses finally figure out that they're not going to have the heat they want? What are they going to do? You know, they're going to realize that about, you know, November 15th or something. When it actually gets cold in Poland, they're going, oh my gosh, where are we going to get something to burn? They're going to start burning furniture, folks. Mark my words. People in Poland and especially Germany, they're going to be burning furniture, freaking library books. You're going to have Nazi book burning back, but not for politics, just for, you know, thermal units. It's like, which books can we burn? Why don't you start with burning the uh, transgender indoctrination books there? They'll produce a lot of heat for you. And also might help save your culture. That's a joke, of course, but, you know, got to throw that in there. If you're looking for books to burn, why don't you burn the bad ones? Or how about this? Why don't you go over to Brussels and grab the printouts of all the EU regulations and burn those? Because that would actually help everybody. And there's probably plenty of regulations for everybody to have plenty of heat if they burn them. They, they can probably power every home in the European Union just by burning the printouts of the EU regulations from Brussels, I'm pretty sure. All right, now that's not the end of the bad news for Europe, which is why it's kind of a suicide mission there. Also from Zero Hedge, wave of European ammonia plant closures to exacerbate food crisis. We're also covering these on naturalnews.com, by the way. A lot of breaking news over the weekend on this. But ammonia shutdown plants because of the higher natural gas prices, because of the embargoes against Russia, it's caused 70% of ammonia production to go offline. 70%. Now remember, this is what ends up creating fertilizer. But as of Friday, 70% of capacity is offline across the European continent. That's according to, quote, Fertilizers Europe, which represents all the top uh, producers. And here's some of who's offline, Norway's Yara International, CF Industries, Borealis AG, all of those recently reduced or halted production because the natural gas has hit now 343 euros per megawatt hour 
making it, quote, uneconomical to operate the fertilizer plants or the, the ammonia plants. Remember, ammonia or NH3 is the feedstock for a lot of these fertilizers. So let me ask you this. Is natural gas going to get cheaper or more expensive in the coming year? Oh, it's going to get more expensive, right? So are these fertilizer plants going to stay shut or are they going to reopen? Oh, they're going to stay shut because it's already not profitable for them to operate. So unless energy gets a whole lot cheaper, there's no reason for them to reopen. Here's the takeaway sentence from Zero Hedge. Quote, the picture is becoming more apparent that Europe's energy crisis and much of its fertilizer capacity offline will have severe consequences for the food industry in the growing season ahead, leaving some to believe a global food crisis is only just materializing. Well, I would say, what do you mean, leaving some to believe? This has nothing to do with belief. This is cause and effect. If you don't make fertilizer, you have no fertilizer. End of story. I don't know if Zero Hedge is trying to be kind of like, trying to sound more polite. They don't want to be alarmist or something. No, this is the time to sound the alarm. We have no fertilizer, which means you can't fertilize the crops, which means you're not going to have the crops that you expect. I mean, 70% reduction in fertilizer, well, what's that going to translate to in crop production? Well, maybe not 70% reduction in crops, but easily 50% reduction. And when you have lower crop yields, you end up with more food scarcity and higher food prices. So more food inflation at the same time that all the European citizens are facing energy inflation that's off the charts crazy, you know, 20 times higher price for electricity is what's coming by early 2023. 20 times higher. You know, they'll probably be paying $2 equivalent per kilowatt hour in France and maybe Germany, maybe the UK. And food could be 100% higher if you can even find it. So it's not that you have a choice between freezing or starving. It's that you're probably going to do both. You're going to freeze and you're going to starve because this is the kill shot for Western Europe. They've the globalists have engineered this. See, remember what I said early on? It's all a Truman show. Russia's playing a part, folks. Russia is also playing the part of the villain so that the globalists can shut off the infrastructure that feeds Western Europe. You got it? And that's Russian infrastructure. That's energy, fertilizer, coal, oil, you know, natural gas, all this stuff from Russia. They shut all that off. And in one winter, Western Europe is in a massive revolt, uprising, people freezing to death, people starving to death, revolutions followed by collapse. Remember what the leader of Belgium said just the other day, that Europeans will only have to endure this for five to ten winters. Ooh, boy, only five to ten winters? That's <laughs> like a decade of starving and freezing. What could possibly be bad about that? Who's going to be left after, I mean, just one winter of this? <laughs> Am I the only one that sees this? I mean, it, it, it's this is not hyperbole. The electricity prices are already 10 times higher now. The, the food production is collapsing in Europe. And there's no end to this Russian war situation is there no there's no end not in sight which means 
Russia's not going to turn back on the Nord Stream 1 pipeline anytime soon. No, that's not going to happen. Frankly, I think Putin is just sitting there saying, hey, let's wait for it to get cold. Because that's how Russia defeated Germany in World War II. Remember that? I, I always cite the history of the, the attack on Stalingrad and the German uh, Sixth Army marching east, trying to cross the river there and conquer Stalingrad. And the weather was cold. It was super cold and it was so cold that a lot of the German weapons didn't work very well. The engines didn't run well. The diesel gelled up and the soldiers got frostbite. You know, their, their toes were falling off because they didn't have proper gear, of course, because, you know, it's a government operation. Why do they need socks? So the Germans were defeated by as much the winter. And I think that was, uh, was that 1940? Uh, 43 or 41. I, it was early 1940s. Sorry, I don't know the exact date, but the Germans were defeated by the cold as much as they were defeated by the Russians because the Russians had no ammo, by the way, at that point. they The Russians had nothing left to fight with. But the Germans hit the cold, and you see Putin remembers that. And Putin knows that the way you defeat the West is to just let it get cold where the West runs out of the supply chain of energy and heat, and in this case, food. And that's exactly what's happening, folks. I mean, Russia's got massive crop production. Russia's got unlimited energy. Russia's got the oil, the coal, everything. They're going to be cozy. The Russian people are going to be warm and cozy this winter and pretty well off. They're selling their energy to India and to China and I don't know who else. Is Hungary still buying any Russian energy? Maybe through India. But there are plenty of countries that are going to buy energy from Russia, so they're not hurting financially. Who's hurting is going to be all of Western Europe, including the Germans. Isn't it bizarre that the average German citizen is going to be treated the same way that a German soldier was treated in 19, let's say, 39 through 44 even though the average German citizen is just trying to survive in their own apartment in you know, Berlin or Hamburg or wherever they are. They're not even on the front lines marching east across fields and you know, frozen mountains and everything. No, and they're still freezing to death. Oh, because they wanted to please little Greta Thunberg, you see. They wanted, no, it's, it's all a global Truman show. This was all by design. The whole thing was theater, but the outcome is real death, real starvation, real freezing. But it took a lot of theater and social conditioning to get people to that point. They had to, the globalists had to pretend that global warming was going to kill everybody. They had to pretend that carbon dioxide was bad. They had to shut down their own infrastructure over the last 15 years in order to get to this point where they could have Putin do a military operation in Ukraine, cut off the energy, and then watch Western Europe collapse. And that is what is about to happen. Now, as Reuters reported over the weekend, Norway's Yara company, which is the world's largest or one of the world's largest fertilizer makers, has just cut ammonia production due to gas prices. 
And even as Reuters asked, quote, raising questions about Europe's ability to produce enough fertilizer for its crops. Yeah, really? Again, downplaying it. Raising questions. Uh, we already know the answer. They're not going to have enough fertilizer. I mean, what, this, why is this hard to see? Yara has repeatedly warned the world faces an extreme food supply shock. Isn't it funny how they use food supply shock instead of just saying mass starvation? <laughs> food supply shock. Due to a combination of high gas prices, the war in major grains producer Ukraine and sanctions on fertilizer producer, producer Russia. Excuse me. So manufacturers such as Yara use gas to make fertilizer. Gas prices have surged almost 40% in August and nearly 300% this year. See? There you go. Again, I, I'm, I'm annoyed when they always try to downplay this. Like, some experts think there may be a possibility that there could be some supply shock to the system, but aren't really certain what may happen. No, you fools. People will starve. This is called famine. You know, this fertilizer feeds 4 billion people on the planet. Many tens of millions of those people live in Europe. And they're going to starve. I don't know how anybody thinks, like, are they going to print food? How is food going to fall out of the sky? Where's the food going to come from if they don't starve? What are they going to eat? Each other? Is this the winter of cannibalism in Germany? That would be something, huh? Does that count as part of the GDP? If you eat like 10 Germans, do, is that economic activity? Probably. I'm sure the government would give somebody credit for that. Look at all this activity. And it's called recycling as well. Yeah. Recycling the German people. Soylent green this winter and for five to ten winters to come. If you eat a German from Hamburg, is it called a hamburger? Or is that just totally inappropriate to even wonder about that? No, I mean... What are they going to eat? Are they going to eat all the animals? Are they going to eat the zoo animals? Are they going to eat all the leather? Like chewing on leather boot shoestrings and stuff? <laughs> and and why are the governments there pretending like everything's going to be fine? It's like, oh, we just have to reduce our shower time a little bit. Everything will be okay. Don't worry. Are you kidding me? People are going to freeze to death, and the buildings are going to freeze. The water pipes are going to burst. I mean, I went through that in Texas last year, the, the deep Texas freeze. That sucked, and that was only five days. Imagine, like, two to three months of that. It's going to be hard for people to survive. Uh, get yourself some, I mean, if you haven't already, get some backup supplies of food. And, folks, they're, they're going to come after the power grid. It's it's as clear as day. They're going to have rolling blackouts across America. You're going to need some kind of way to capture some sunlight, some solar panels, even if it's a small thing. Solar generators, um, doing a video review pretty soon. The EcoFlow devices, they're offered by our sponsor, the Satellite Phone Store, sat123.com. Just go there. Scroll down on the homepage. Just go to sat123.com. You'll see them. It's a good way to store some backup energy from the sun you know you can charge your portable electronics and your phone and and your flashlights and your laptop and stuff like that you know we need backup everything backup self-defense you know backup communications backup emergency medicine there's, there's something major they're going to pull between now and halloween 
something major. They're going to pull something off that they blame on conservatives. Trust me, it's coming. In the winter of 2023, man, this is when the food scarcity is going to be just really getting bad. Uh, January, February, March of 2023. Actually, you know, you're already seeing food inflation right now, just as we predicted. You're going to start seeing more diesel engine oil shortages starting next month, just as we predicted. You'll, you'll start to see news reports about it. You're going to see fuel scarcity in some places like the, you know, the BP refinery that caught on fire. They've already announced massive shutdowns of fertilizer. That's going to affect crops in 2023. So, yes, some food scarcity towards the end of this year, just as we predicted, but way worse next year because it's already baked in. There's, they can't stop it now. The fertilizer isn't being produced. You, you can't wave a magic wand and just have crops fall out of the sky, you know. Now, Europe is going to get hit much harder than North America in terms of the food and energy scarcity. That's why they have financial collapse planned to really take down America. You know, and all the culture wars and all the built-in hatred and they're always trying to push racism and all that. So, yeah, Europe's going to be taken down by energy collapse and food collapse. United States is going to be taken down by financial collapse and uh, social unrest. That's the model for America. And Canada, I don't know, maybe a combination of all that plus some extra Justin Castro tyranny thrown in to boot. Like, uh, we're going to shut down all your bank accounts if if you uh, exhale. <laughs> you know, it's like your CO2 has uh, exceeded the daily limit. You no longer are allowed to bank in Canada. So that's an overview of what's coming, folks. I know it's uh, quite quite a lot to absorb today, and I know this has been somewhat lengthy. And I didn't even get to talk about a lot of the stuff that I was trying to. Man, uh, 